Good morning. Um, it is. My, are we good? Okay. Uh, you know, I've uh, been a. I've admired Living Hope Church and Pastor Steve Chang from afar. So it's my privilege to be here today to to see you in person and to celebrate all that God has done and all that God is uh, continue, uh, continuing to do uh, through this church. Now, Pastor Steve asked me to preach on a topic that was near and dear to my heart. So I, I wanted to preach on parenting. Uh, it's not a very sexy topic, right? But so, so why parenting? Well, I have two reasons. The first is because I'm a parent myself. I have three teenagers at home. Uh, my oldest is a 17-year-old high school senior. Uh, her name is Abby, and she starts college this fall at Virginia Tech. It's impossible for me to have a kid that old. Because I still remember when I was being dropped off at college, and now I'm going to be doing that this summer. So it's just crazy how fast time goes by. I have a 15-year-old high school freshman. His name is Caleb, and he's my basketball player. He loves to play ball. I love to watch him play ball, and I'll talk about that in a little bit. And I also have a 13-year-old uh, daughter. She's an eighth grader, and she's my artist. She loves to draw and doodle, and she makes these little bullet journals, and she's, she's so amazing. And there is nothing in this world that makes me feel more inadequate, more frustrated, more insecure, or more lacking than being a parent, especially as a parent of a teenager. So this topic is just very real and personal to me. The second reason why I want to talk on this topic is because as I look out at my generation, so my moms and dads my age who have teenagers at home, I see and I sense that I'm not the only one struggling, Right? I think um, my generation, we, we need some biblical guidance and, and really some gospel encouragement when it comes to parenting, especially teenagers. So that's why I want to talk about parenting today, because I think a lot of you are parents, and we're all in the same boat. But even if you're not a parent yet, maybe God will one day call you to be a parent. And let this servant help prepare and equip you for that calling, should that calling come to you in the future. But even if you never become a parent, even if you never have children, and that's okay, uh, but you will always be in fellowship with others who are parents because you're part of a church. So let this sermon equip and prepare you to be able to give some gospel encouragement to your friends who are parents as you see them struggling. So whether you're a parent or not, I think everyone has a, has a reason to listen. So let's start with uh, stating the obvious. Parenting is hard, right? It's super, super hard. Now, we know that parenting is a high, it's an exalted calling, but at the very same time, it's a very hard and exhausting calling, right? I have yet to meet parents, especially of teenagers, who say, parenting is easy, I got this, you know, I know what I'm doing, piece of cake. No one says that. Now, for those of you who are parents of younger kids, your kids are small, you're thinking, well, it might be physically tiring, but it's not that hard. Well, I just want to say, just wait, right? <laughs> Your cute little angels one day will become big, ugly monsters. And, and if you don't believe in the doctrine of total depravity, oh, you will when they become teenagers, right? right? So parenting is hard. And as I look around, I see so much what I would call angry parenting. Right? Parents who are just mad and angry at their kids, yelling and screaming at their kids because they're, you know, being disrespectful, disobedient, irresponsible, selfish, whatever it is. And we're just mad at our kids. I also see a lot of anxious parenting, parents who are just worried and stressed out about their kids, like, you know, are my kids going to be okay? Are they going to fit in? Will they get into that college with these grades and with these extracurricular activities? Should we get them into another club? Uh, should we get them a tutor to kind of up their chances of getting into UVA or whatever it is? I'm also meeting a lot of uh, defeated parents now. 
parents are just tired and frustrated. They feel like they don't know what they're doing. The kids are out of control. And, and, and at my church, I've had parents confide in me saying, Pastor, I'm just kind of waiting for my kids to go off to college because I just want the season of my life to end. I want to just become an empty nester. And I'm also finding a, a lot of uh, absent parenting too. Uh, moms and dads who are just so committed and focused to their work and career, they're traveling all the time, and they're just not able to be physically around for their kids. And to be very honest with you, I think all these forms of parenting I see myself. I'm the angry parent. I'm the anxious parent. I'm the defeated parent. I'm the absent parent. It just depends on what day of the week it is and which kid I'm trying to deal with, right? And my son brings out the angry parent in me, but my daughter brings out the anxious parent in me. It just kind of depends. But as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who believe the gospel, as those who are being renewed and are, uh, are being renewed by the truth, beauty, and power of the gospel, I believe that Jesus is calling us to something better and greater. Parenting that is not angry or anxious or defeated or, or absent, but parenting that is faithful. Amen? To faithful parenting. And so today I want to explore that with you. What, what does faithful parenting look like? What does it do? These are some of the questions I want to answer uh, with you. Let's, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to read from verse 1 to 4. Friends, this is God's word. Holy, inspired, inerrant word. And God will speak to us today through the reading of his word. So listen with expectation. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, and now this, of course, includes mothers. Fathers and mothers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction, or another translation says, in the nurture of the Lord. Bring them up in the nurture of the Lord. This is the word of our God. I want to do uh, two things with you today. First, I want to talk about the two views on parenting. And then I want to give some practical applications and exhortations to the parents in the room. So those two uh, big things. In order to be a faithful parent, in order to be faithful to the God who's called you to be a parent, we have to have a biblical and a God-centered understanding and view of parenting. Paul Tripp, in his excellent book called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family, says that there's basically two views on parenting. The first view he calls the ownership view. This view says, my kids belong to me, I own them, and therefore I can raise them as I see fit. I can raise them as I think is best. So owner parents you know, or make parenting really all about them, about what they want for their kids and about what they want from their kids. Owner parents are driven by their vision of what they want their kids to become and to do. Now, never mind what their kids may want for themselves. Never mind what God may want for their kids. What matters most is what they want for their kids. And they will do whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to make their vision for their kids come true. And of course, they do this because they love their kids. The second view of parenting, Paul Tripp calls the ambassadorial view. Now, this view says, my kids actually don't belong to me. They belong to God. Therefore, my job is to represent and reflect God, their heavenly father, to uh, my kids. You see, an ambassador is someone who was sent by someone 
to represent and reflect the person that sent them, right? That's what an ambassador is. Parents, do you realize that you are ambassadors that God has sent into the lives of your kids so that you can reflect and represent God, the one who sent you? So ambassador parents realize that their kids ultimately don't belong to them but to God. And they're learning to pray and ask by faith, Father, not my will, but your will be done in the lives of your children. Right? And depending on what view you adopt and functionally operate out of, it will have significant and trajectory-shaping impact on how you are as a parent. It will impact your identity as a parent and how you view your work as a parent. In other words, it will shape how you see yourself as a mom and dad and what you think the job description is of a parent. So let's consider the issue of identity. Your identity is whatever you look to to tell you that you matter. Whatever you look to for your validation, for your affirmation, for you to feel, for your sense of value and worth as a person. And make no mistake, we all look to something, someone, or someplace to tell us that we matter. Every single one of us. We all do that. Now, owner parents look to their kids for their identity. They look to get their meaning, their purpose, uh, their sense of worth and value, their inner sense of well-being from their kids. So this is what older parents do. They look at their kids and to their good behavior or to their academic success or to their athletic success or their artistic success or their musical success. And, 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 they, and they say, that is what tells me that I matter. You see, and if their kids are living up to their vision that they had for their kids, they feel good about themselves and they feel, su- they feel successful as parents. But if their kids are somehow not living up to this grand vision that they had for their kids, they feel bad about themselves and they feel like they've somehow failed as parents. But you know, your kids are a terrible, terrible place to look for your identity because they're broken sinners, right? They will fail you. Uh, Your kids have come into this world with sin and foolishness in their hearts, and it makes them naturally rebellious and resistant to your authority, your love, your guidance as a parent. And if you're a parent that's looking to your kids for your identity, then you'll take your kids' sins and their failures personally, and you'll respond to them with personal hurt and anger. You know, all of us as parents, we want our kids to love us. But the truth is we don't just want them to love us. We need them to love us, don't we? And the truth is that your kids will never love you enough. Your kids will never love you the way you want them to love you. Your kids will never love you the way you need to be loved. And this becomes painfully evident as your kids enter into their teenage years. You know, when your kids are two and a half, three, four, they love you to the moon, and you feel, oh, my kids love me, 100%. But when they turn 14, not so much, right? Uh, it seems like your kids are just always annoyed and angry all the time. They're just mad at you for no reason. You're like, what did I do? And, and, and your kids just are just angsty, and, and, and they're just never appreciative. They're always complaining and just make you feel like you failed as mom and dad, right? You can never make them happy enough. And, and you experience that when they're teenagers. You remember doing that to your parents when you were teenagers too, right? But sometimes, as, as painful as that is, I actually think that's a good thing. And the reason for that is that's when God is forcing us to realize that he never gave us our kids so that we could feel good about ourselves. He never gave us our kids so that we could feel loved by our kids. He never gave us our kids so that we could build our identity on our kids. Ambassador parents, on the other hand, 
look to their heavenly father, to the one who sent them for their identity. You see, they don't need to get their identity from their kids because they already have their identity from the one whom they represent, the father in heaven who has loved them with a steadfast love. They know who they are. They know that they are beloved sons and daughters of God in Christ. They know that they have the Father's affirmation, approval, and love and delight. They know that God the Father sings over them. They know who they are. And so they don't need their kids. They don't need the success of their kids. They don't need the love of their kids because they already have their identity. And they know that only God the Father really can love them the way they need to be loved, in a way that their children can never love them, and in a way that even their spouses cannot love them. And listen, this is so important. Because your identity is no longer tied to the success of your kids, no longer tied to the love of your kids, you no longer need your kids to succeed or to love you back. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great when your kids succeed, shine, and stand out, right? It feels good. It feels great when your kids love you back and, and show their appreciation, but you no longer need it. And that means, parents, you are now free to love and parent your kids as they are, even when they're not shining or succeeding or standing out, even when they're sinning and being disrespectful, disobedient, irresponsible, and selfish. Now, of course, those things still break your heart as it should, but it no longer devastates you and it no longer enrages you. You see, ambassador parents are now finally free to stop making their parenting about their own identity and to start making their parenting about the glory of God and the good of their kids. So owner parents and ambassador parents look to two very different places for their identity. Owner parents, what do they do? They look down at their kids and say, give me identity. Do something great so that I can feel good about myself. While ambassador parents look up to the Heavenly Father to find their identity. You see, every single one of us need to know that we matter. There is this deep, unrelenting, irrepressible desire and yearning in each and every one of our souls to know that we matter. And the reason for that is because we're created in the image of a God who matters, right? God matters. And we're created in his image, so we want to matter. And that's a natural thing, to want to matter. Now, here's the question. What will you look to to tell you that you matter? Will you look to your kids and to their achievements to tell you that you matter? Or will you look to Jesus and to what he has done for you on the cross to tell you that you matter? In other words, what will you build your identity on? Will you build it on your kids and on their accomplishments? Or will you build it on your Savior, Jesus, and what he has done for you? In other words, friends, faithful parenting begins with parents building their identity on Jesus, not their kids. Let's talk about the work of parents. So what's the job description of a parent? What's a parent supposed to do? Owner parents see their job description, their work, as turning their kids into something special, Right? They have a vision, this grand vision for what they want their kids to become and do, right? And, and they think their, their job is to use all their resources, their money, their time, their energy, whatever it, whatever it takes to help their vision for their kids come true. You know, as parents, we all want our kids to be smart and beautiful and athletic and socially well-adjusted or whatever it is. We, we have this vision for our kids, and we think that our job is to make that happen. And so we think if we yell loud enough, if we cheer them on, if we drive them, if we get them the right private tutor, 
we get them the right personal trainer, then they'll make it. Then they'll stand out. Then they'll succeed. Then they'll be the best player on their team. Then they'll be the smartest kid in their class. Then they'll be the best dancer on their dance team. Whatever it is, that's, that, that, that's important to you. And what, what happens is we, we as parents will do whatever it takes for them to fulfill our vision for them. And you say, of course, I, I do it because of them. It's best for them. I love them. No, actually, uh, you're really doing it for yourself, aren't you? Because of your need to have a kid who stands out. Because of your need to have a kid that tells you that you matter. And when your kid, when your son or daughter doesn't cooperate, when they don't do their part to help you fulfill your vision for them, what do you do? You get mad. You get real mad at your kids. Let me tell you a story. Uh, Some of the biggest, the worst, and the most sinful blow-ups of anger that I have toward my son happened around basketball. I wish I could tell you a story that happened like 10 years ago, right? Say, oh, that was the old me. A long time ago. I'm not like that anymore. But I can get real vulnerable. I'll tell you something that happened like a month ago, okay? About a month ago, I exploded in irrational, excessive, over-the-top anger at my 15-year-old son, screaming and cussing at him. Pastors cuss sometimes. At least this one does. Because I'm a broken sinner. Now, why? why? Why did I go berserk? It's because he didn't drink his protein shake. What? Like, what? Why do you get so mad, Pastor? Why in the world would you get so mad that your son wouldn't drink his protein shake? What's the big deal? Well, let me tell you why. My son's a basketball player, and he's pretty good. And, 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 and I have this vision for the kind of basketball player I want my son to be, that I think he can be. And because he's really skilled, but he's really skinny. He's like six feet tall and 140 pounds. Okay, he's skinny, right? And and I think for him to get to that next level, to really be that elite player, he needs to gain some weight and muscle, right? And so I have a plan for my son's life. And that plan is to have him lift weights and dream protein shakes, right? <laughs> and when he doesn't cooperate with my plan for him, with my plan to make him a special player, when he doesn't go to the gym to lift weights or when he doesn't drink his protein, the expensive protein shakes, because I don't buy the cheap stuff, man. <laughs> I buy the expensive protein shakes, and I make it for him. <laughs> there's no clumps. I mean, I go to work. <laughs> okay? And... And when I give it to him and he doesn't drink it, I don't just get disappointed or irritated. I go berserk. I lose it. I scream and yell, don't you know everything that I do for you? Right? I go crazy. Why? Why? Is it because he's simply being unappreciative that I got up early to make that for him? That's a part of it. Is it because he's wasting money? That's a part of it. No, but on a deeper level, listen, it's because he's threatening my vision for him. And I can't stand it. I get that angry and that mad because he's getting in the way of me getting my idol, which is to have a son that's a special elite basketball player. 
though I say that I love him, what I'm actually doing is I'm loving my vision for him more than my son. And I'm willing to sin against my son so that I can get my dream for my son. It's foolish, it's sinful, it's idolatrous. And that's why we get, I get so mad. And some of you are mad at your kids. You're always mad at your kids. It's just waiting to erupt. And part of it, it could be because you have a vision for your kids. And when they don't cooperate with you for their vision, you're mad. Low-grade anger all the time. So success for owner parents is measured by how much the kids achieve at school, at sports, or whatever is important to you. Now, again, those things are not bad. They're good. But they cannot be the measure of successful parenting. For owner parents, success is measured by how much their kids achieve and, and stand out and shine and things like that. But ambassador parents, on the other hand, see their work, see their job description as representing and reflecting God the Father to their kids. They've come to this uh, scary and humbling realization that they actually have no power whatsoever to control or to change their kids. Now, if you have a, like a toddler, two or three years old, you actually think you have power to control them. You do. But when they're 14, you realize you have no power whatsoever. You can't change their hearts. You can't, you can't make them into anything. And you realize as an ambassador parent that to, to be a faithful parent is not about turning your kids into anything because you don't have the power to do that. It's really about you and your calling to represent the Heavenly Father, to your kids in your home. In Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, the Apostle Paul gives us instructions on how husbands and wives ought to relate to one another and how parents and children are to relate to one another, right? Simply, uh, husbands are to love their wives, wives are to submit to their husbands, parents are to nurture their kids, and kids are to obey their parents, right? Now, the husband's job, listen, is not to make his wife submissive. His job is to love his wife as Christ loved the church, whether she's submissive or not. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make her submissive. The wife's job is not to make her husband loving. Her job is to submit to, respect, and follow her husband, whether he's loving or not. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make him loving, right? And in the same way, the parent's job is not to make their kids obedient, their job is to nurture their kids, whether they're obedient or not. It's the Holy Spirit's job to make your kids obedient. So parents, you know what this means? This means that what happens with your kids is really not up to you. It is not your job to make sure or to force uh, your kids to obey you and to honor you or even to force them to follow Jesus. That is not your job to make sure that happens. Of course, as Christian parents, we want that more than anything. We pray for that. We plead with God earnestly that God would open the eyes of their hearts to see the beauty of Jesus and to love him and to follow him. But we don't have the power to make that happen, do we? Only God has that power. So it is not our job to do that. But what is our job as ambassador parents is to reflect and to represent God the Father to our kids. You see... Faithful parenting, listen, has nothing to do with your kids and has everything to do with the parents. The goal of faithful parenting is not to produce good kids, but to be a good reflection of the father to your kids. 
Listen, there are godly and loving parents who have rebellious and unbelieving kids. And there are ungodly and lazy parents who have kids who love and follow Jesus. Why does that happen? The spirit blows where the spirit blows. It's a mystery. You see, how your kids turn out is not up to you. That's up to the Lord. But what is up to you is how you reflect and represent God in your home to your kids. See, faithful parenting is not measured by what happens with your kids, but it's measured by what happens in you and through you as mom and dad. So moms and dad, listen. If the grace of God in Jesus is becoming sweeter to you and, 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 and more precious to you, and, you're, and you know that the Father loves you and, and you're experiencing that grace and you want to demonstrate to the best of your ability to, to reflect God, the Father, to your kids, then you are a faithful parent no matter what's going on with your kids, no matter what they're doing or not doing, whether they're being bad or good, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you are faithfully uh, representing the Father to your kids. Some of you, listen, some of you have hard kids. I know. I don't need to know you personally to know that some of you have hard kids. Your kids may be rebellious. They don't obey you or honor you the way you wish they would. They seem to have no spiritual interest. Jesus just seems like they care less. And I know it breaks your heart. I've talked to moms who've said, you know, Pastor Owen, when so-and-so was like in third grade, he was in VBS and was singing, and he's such a happy child and, and loved Jesus, and now he's in 10th grade, and I don't know what's going on. He won't ever talk to me. And parents say, what did I do wrong? What, what could I have done differently to not have my son who was so happy and in love with Jesus as a third grader, now who just seems like I can't bring him to church? What did I do wrong? And parents are in anguish as they see their teenagers go through this. And to you, I want to say, that is not up to you. As long as you love your son or daughter, whether they're being obedient or rebellious, as, you are, as long as you're reflecting the grace of God and his steadfast love to your kids, you are being a faithful parent. You have not failed. And some of you need to hear that today. And I need to be reminded of that every day too. Because it's so easy for us to look at our kids and see how they're turning out to tell us if we made it or not. That's not what faithful parenting is. So faithful parenting begins with parents building their identity, not on their kids, but on Jesus. And doing the work of simply representing and reflecting God the Father to their kids. Let's... Uh, Go on to the second thing. So I want to conclude with some exhortations, some practical applications to the parents in the room. And here's the first one, and this is the most important one, and that's this. Moms and dads, listen, believe the gospel for yourself. You see, in order to give grace to your kids, you must first have received grace from your Father in heaven. The humbling truth is that we parents are a lot more like our kids than we like to admit, Right? Everything that I see in my kids that disgust me, that I hate, I know is in me first. Because the saying is true, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And if I know that I need grace, that means that my kids need grace too. You see, the parents who are the best able to give grace to their kids are the parents who realize that they need grace themselves. And they have received it from God. You see, it's self-righteous parents, right? 
parents who see their uh, kids' um, sin and selfishness and stupidity, they're like, oh, I would never do that. And they're rah! And you yell at your kids. But it's the humble parents who see their sin, uh, the, the folly and the sins of their children. They think, oh, man, they're just like me. I've done that. I, in fact, I continue to do that. I just hide it better. <laughs> and it's humble parents that are able to give grace to their kids when they see their kids sinning. You see, it's the parents who know that they need grace. It's the parents who know that they have received grace in Jesus that are now able to give grace to their kids. You know, faithful gospel-centered parenting begins as parents begin to see that they themselves have a father in heaven who loves them. You know, in order to be a great parent, you have to have a great parent. And the gospel says that you have a great father in heaven who loves you. He approves of you. He affirms you. He sings over you. And when he looks at you, there is only love and affection in his eyes as he looks at you. I know sometimes as parents, when we look at our kids, there is rage and hatred in our eyes as we look at our kids. But there is never rage or hatred in the father's eyes when he looks at you. And he loves you unconditionally. And that means that he loves you not just on your best days, but even on your worst days. He loves you. All of us have this yearning for our father. You know, the father that we've always wanted, right? The father is that our earthly dads could never be. A father who knows us, who loves us. The gospel says we have that father, and it's God. And in the gospel, if you're able to hear, my son, my daughter, my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in you I am well pleased. If you can hear God say to you, I love you to the moon, then and only then will you be able to love your kids the way the Father first loved you. You see, moms and dads, you first have to look up before you look down. You have to look up and see your Heavenly Father who loves you with a steadfast love, who loves you even on your worst days when you're at your worst. And then you can look down at your kids and love them, not just when they're being good, but also when they're being bad even on their worst days. You can give grace when you first receive grace. And so faithful parenting begins with moms and dads deeply believing the gospel for themselves. Here's the second exhortation. Love your spouse well. Love your husband. Love your wife well. You see, when husbands and wives love one another and they fulfill their God-assigned roles of the husband loving the wife and the wife submitting to the husband, they are able to give a visible gospel parable to their kids. You see, when the kids see dad loving mom sacrificially and selflessly, they're given a visible parable of how Christ loved the church. And when they see mom Submitting to, respecting, and following dad, they're giving a visible parable of how the church ought to follow Christ. You see, parents, you love your kids best when you love one another first. And so I routinely tell my kids, I love you third, right? I love Jesus first, mom second, and you third, right? And Lizzie, my youngest, says, oh, dad, you're so mean. You're, aren't you supposed to love us the most? Shouldn't you love me the best? And say, Lizzie, I love you. I ain't even close, right? <laughs> it's Jesus, mom, and then you're, you're down. You tie, by the way, with Abby and Caleb. It's not like I, I love any of you more. 
And, and I say, it's because uh, you're going to leave me one day. <laughs> you know? But mom's going to stay. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Parents, you love your kids best when you love your spouse first. So don't, in the name of loving your kids, neglect your marriage or your spouse. Amen? I mean, the husband's like, yeah, yeah, just love me too, not just the kids, right? <laughs> and here, here, here's the third exhortation. Ask forgiveness from your kids when you sin against them. All parents, every single parent sins against their kids. And sometimes we do a terrible, God-awful job of representing and reflecting God the Father to our kids. In our sin, we can say and do things uh, to our kids that our Father in Heaven would never do to us or to our kids. We get irritated and annoyed with our kids when they inconvenience us. We get angry and yell at our kids when they're being disrespectful. And we can drive them for our own selfish reasons. And we do a, a thousand other simple things to our kids that God would never do to them, ever. Listen, friends, by our words, actions, and attitudes, we have lied to our kids about what our Heavenly Father is like. You see, every time you sin against your son or daughter, you're lying to them about what God is like. Every time you sin against your children, you're misrepresenting God to your kids. I want you to think about that. You're not just sinning. You're lying to your kids about what God the Father is like. And so when we sin against our kids, when we misrepresent the Father to our kids, we must have the humility to confess our sins to our kids and to ask them for their forgiveness. But I know that this is really hard for us, especially from those of us that come from Asian cultures. Uh, there's something in the Asian culture where just older people just can't say sorry to people who are younger than them. I still remember my mom saying to me, I don't ever have to say I'm sorry to you because I'm your mom. Like, honestly, I don't remember my parents saying I'm sorry. And I remember as a young, you know, young, young guy, I, I was maybe like 13 at the time, I still remember just how wrong that seemed and how, how much I resented my parents for, for thinking that way. And, and this is something in the Korean or the Asian cultures that we have to reject, right? You see, the gospel gives us the freedom to humbly confess our sins, to believe the gospel again, and to ask forgiveness not only from God, but also from our kids. In fact, I think our failures and our sins as parents may be our best opportunities to preach the gospel to our kids. One, not only because we get to model what confessing sin and believing the gospel, repenting looks like, but also because it becomes the opportunity to say to our kids, You have two dads. One dad sucks, and that's me. But you have a father in heaven who loves you perfectly. Though I sin against you, he will never sin against you. It's your opportunity to point them to their true and better and greater heavenly father. Amen? Because I've said that to my son so many times. Son, I suck as a dad. But thank God you don't just have one dad. You have two dads, and the one in heaven is far better than me. It becomes your opportunity to point your sons and your daughters to their true heavenly father who loves them perfectly. Um, also, uh, if you want your kids to run to Jesus after they sin, 
then they have to see you running to Jesus after you sin, right? So if you want your kids to repent and, and to believe the gospel and to walk in holiness, then they have to see you doing that first. So moms and dads, when you sin against your kids, have the humility to say, I'm sorry, and to ask for their forgiveness. Here's the fourth exhortation. Expose your kids to the gospel regularly. It is not your job to make your kids believe the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But it is your job to expose your kids to the gospel. So in your homes, talk about God and his word. Look for opportunities to point your kids to Jesus. Uh, pray and acknowledge his presence and his lordship in your home. And even if your kids don't know if they believe in Jesus or not, but can you live in a way that shows your kids that you believe in Jesus? Amen? And bring your kids to church. Let them hear the gospel preached to them. Let them get involved in, in ministries that this church offers where they're going to be exposed to God's word and to the gospel. And even if your kids are disinterested, they don't seem to care, what you're doing is you're planting and watering gospel seeds. And God, one day in his perfect timing, will give the growth. We believe that. Amen? God will do that. And um, <clears throat> here's the fifth exhortation, the fifth one. Make choices that reflect gospel values and promote spiritual formation for your family. Make choices that reveal that you value spiritual formation more than the American dream. Make choices that communicate and reveal that you care more about their growth and grace than you do about their athletic or academic success. Let's get real right now. I'm going to get real practical, real, real, okay? And this is going to offend some of you, but that's okay because I leave for Virginia tomorrow. I don't have to see you again. Don't miss church for sports. Brea, right here, this is suburbs, is very similar to Northern Virginia, and that means youth sports is an idol here. People worship youth sports here. I know that. Don't miss worshiping God so that your son can play in a soccer game or your daughter can go to a dance a competition or for your son to play in a basketball game. Don't miss church for youth sports. Now, don't get me wrong. I love youth sports. I think it's a great gift from God. But we would be foolish to love the gift more than the one who gives all good gifts. If your kids play youth sports and if they have a game on a Sunday morning, you actually have the opportunity to communicate by your choices that there is something better than a basketball game. When you let your son or daughter miss a game, you get to tell your child, their teammates, and the world that there's something better, and that's God. Amen? You get to be beautifully different from this culture. And not only that, I want you to think about this. What do you think you communicate to your son or daughter when you let them miss church to play in a game? What do you think that communicates? Uh, Dr. Carl Truman is a professor at Westminster Seminary in Pennsylvania, and he said this. <clears throat> the church is losing its young people because parents never taught their kids that it was important. I think that applies across the board. It applies to family worship, and it also applies to whether you are in church every Sunday and what priority you demonstrate to your children church has on a Sunday. If the sun shines out and their friends are going to the beach, do you decide to skip church and go to the beach? In which case, you send signals to your children, 
that it is not important. Here's some more real talk. Listen. Whatever you miss church for, whatever whatever activity that you decide to skip church for, here's what you're saying to your son and your daughter and to the world, that at least on this Sunday, this activity is more important than worshiping God. No matter how you try to justify, no matter what your rationale is, that's what you're communicating to your son or daughter. You're saying that at least on this Sunday, this is more important. Listen, championship game, I know that's important, but is that really more important than worshiping God? Is that really what you want to communicate to your sons and daughters? Now, I'm not trying to shame you. I'm not. I love you. And I want you to make choices that communicate to your children what you deeply care about. I know you care about the gospel. Amen? So make choices that communicate that to your kids. Now, my son played travel ball for years and years and years. I mean, AU, this whole, the whole nine, right? Tournaments every weekend. I, I, I've been there. Actually, I'm still there. But we made a, a decision early in his little basketball career that we're not going to miss church for a game on a Sunday morning. So we, whenever, you know, he tried out for a team, he would get selected. We'd tell the coach, hey, coach, I just want you to know that my son can't play on Sunday mornings. Do you still want him? And the coach would say, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll still take him. Now, my son initially was heartbroken. He's like, oh, dad, no, this, it's like the playoff. It's like playoff bracket. If we lose, then we don't get to the championship game. He had all these reasons why he wanted to play Sunday morning. But I had to communicate to my son, basketball is great, but it's not greater than God. And, and I had to communicate gospel parties. And I'll be very honest with you. I had to communicate gospel parties to myself. Listen, I'm a pastor, but it hurt me. To have my son miss the game to come to church. Because I love youth sports that much. I don't know if you know this, but I'm that dad. I'm that crazy sports dad that goes to every game with my iPad. And I record everything. Uh-huh. And then I come home. I review, and I edit it. You know, kind of take out all the garbage, all the, all the turnovers and all the highlights. I put it together. Put it to music. And I post it on Facebook to show off. That's me. That's me. Okay. Honestly, I think it hurts me more than my son to miss a game. Now, of course, if the game is Sunday afternoon, here's our Caleb just after sermon. I ain't going to say bye to people. Let's go. Let's go. And we're in the car and we go. And I love watching my son play ball. It's like my favorite activity uh, to do after worshiping God. Uh, so. <laughs> but here's the point that I'm trying to make, parents. Enjoy youth sports. But don't worship it. Don't idolize it. And by your choices, communicate that you as a Christ follower have better things. That gathering with God's people on, his, on the Lord's day to worship him, there's nothing better and more important and more glorious than that. Amen? Amen. It's your opportunity to be countercultural. Here's the sixth and the last exhortation. Pray for your kids and then trust God with your kids. You can trust God with your kids because God loves your kids far more than you could ever love your kids. And God will work in the lives of your kids according to his timeline, according to his sovereign plan. You know, maybe your kids don't seem to have any spiritual interest or, or interest in Jesus and the gospel at this time. And you and I both know we can't force our kids to love Jesus. We can't force that. We don't have that kind of power. But God has that power. And so we pray. 
We plead with God to do a renewing work in the hearts of our kids. We pray that God would open the eyes of our kids so they would see the goodness and the beauty and the desirability of Jesus and that they would follow him because they want to. We pray for that. We beg God for that. And then we trust God. God, in your perfect timing, would you bring this to pass for your glory and for their good? See, friends, faithful parenting is about trying to control our kids less and to, to pray for them more. Faithful parenting is about stressing, about stressing out about our kids less and trusting God more with them. Faithful parenting means caring less, listen, Caring less about how the kids turn out and caring more about how God is represented in your home. So parents, may God give you the enabling grace to be faithful parents in your home for his glory and for the good of your kids. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together.